I do think we're ready for all spectrum of conflicts with our artillery. They're clearly your firepower. Hi, this is Captain Adam Morton with the Canadian Army Podcast, and today we're going to talk about the artillery. I'm talking to Colonel Marie-Christine Harvey. She's the Army G3 and also has a huge artillery background, and she's going to tell us what it's like to be around the big guns. Good day, ma'am. Good day. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, uh, Colonel Harvey, I actually joined the forces uh, at 17 years old in 1996. I joined as an infantry reserve private, so with the Régiment de Saguenay, where uh, I actually uh, I was living at this point in time, very quickly, I did realize that I think I wanted to do this as a, a career and serve. So a year later, I applied to go to RMC and Royal Military College. I've listed up all the combat arms uh, as choice up front. And then as a spare pilot, why not? Very happy that they, they called me to be an artillery officer and uh, I joined RMC, and now, uh, of course, 24 years later, I'm uh, the Canadian Army G3. Wow, that's quite a story. So let's talk about the artillery a little bit. Nobody wants to hear about our staff officer story. <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's get to the good stuff. Maybe for those listening at home, and also, like, I'll admit that even uh, as a sergeant, I didn't always fully understand how the other organizations work. I vaguely knew they're in the Army, and they, you know, like, I know the artillery, big guns, things happen. How does the artillery work? What does the artillery do? If I could describe the artillery in a couple of words, I would say uh, within your brigade, and I'm biased, I'm going to say this right up front. Right, we always are. <laughs> this is the firepower of a brigade. So pretty amazing uh, stuff that uh, these units do and those regiments do. So probably one of the things that everybody thinks is that there's only kind of big guns in those uh, in those regiment but really there's two batteries that are of gun batteries there's one battery that is an STA surveillance and target acquisition battery there's one battery that is uh, 100% composed of uh, FU forward observation officer and JTACS joint terminal attack controller and the fifth battery is actually HQ and SIG. So this is a, a big organization. There's only one in each of the brigades, so you got to take care of them. Uh, and they will take care of you. And they're clearly your firepower. You got to really appreciate also the acronyms. And uh, thanks for explaining that, because sometimes we let that get away from us. So <laughs> people at home now know what all those letters mean. <laughs> For those that maybe know their history more or less, if I think to the First World War and things that were happening at Vimy, artillery was rolling barrages and firing thousands and thousands of rounds, and things have evolved over time, maybe some more, some less. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the artillery is used in conflicts today? Actually, in, in conflict today, we do have some guns deployed in uh, some of our operation. So right now, it's a, a little bit more of a training mission, if I could say. But clearly, our guns have been employed in, in modern conflict for in Afghanistan in a more of a conventional role with regards to uh, employing them as a real firepower to support uh, infantry and armored on the battlefield. We've also deployed in, in Bosnia. And this one was uh, more of a presence, but uh, every couple of months we did a big exercise to actually show 
that the artillery and the Canadian and NATO was here and ready to work as a, as a team if uh, should need be. So, and actually, I do think we're ready for all spectrum of conflicts with our artillery. I do think we have a role to play in any of those, uh, of those types of conflicts. Uh, your gunners are great integrators of effects. We also have surveillance and target acquisition battery, and I do think this is important also in, uh, uh, with regards to the capacity they can bring with, uh, with the radar and their mini UAS. So this is important capability that we do have with, uh, in the Canadian Army and the artillery that could actually give an edge when we deployed on operation. It's interesting you mentioned Afghanistan. I think uh, I think back to my time there as you know a young private, and we're calling in danger close artillery, and we're like behind a wall, and you can just hear these these things coming in, just screaming in physics at work, like big one five five rounds just screeching through the air, just like whoa, boom, and it's a really impressive thing to experience. Probably one of the most impressive moments in in my career. Most artillery people, I would say, or from my perspective, are on the other end of the gun. Do they get to see that and like experience that firsthand as well? Well, I did mention that there's uh, five different batteries. So one of them is a battery of uh, a FUS and JTAC. So these batteries and all of the personnel within these batteries are actually up front with the infantry, the armor, the engineers that are up front because they're the one looking at that target and calling fires on that target. So all of these members are clearly, I've seen artillery, their role is to look at the target, call the grid of that target, and engage the target. So uh, they live and breathe that type of engagement. But do we expose uh, everybody that is on, on a gun to the type of effect they will bring to the battlefield, absolutely. You've you've talked about danger close during your training. We do make sure that we do that danger close exercise in the bunker and that they see the effect of what they're delivering on the battlefield. They feel the importance also of, uh, of what they can bring and do and the difference they can make. Yeah, and I think one of the core training concepts is train under demanding and realistic conditions. So to understand the effect you're bringing to the battlefield is probably a pretty big part of that. So we're talking about uh, the artillery in general. Uh, what's the difference between an NCM, NCO in the artillery and the role of an officer? First off, I want to say, um, I know every trade will say that, but we're, we're nothing without our NCO and NCM supporting us. Like, Everyone that is on a gun is actually an NCO with his member. In infantry, they would call this a section. We call this a debt. So they're the one on that piece of equipment, managing it and owning it. So they're extremely essential. On a gun position, you will have uh, all of the NCO and NCM managing the gun, but they're also part of the recce party. But the recce party is actually leaded by an officer. And in the command post, you will see NCO and NCM, but the command post officer is, of course, a, a, an officer. And the overall gun position officer is normally a captain within the unit. But all of these jobs kind of go one with each other, and nothing can happen if uh, if we don't have, you know, the number one to shoot the gun or, or 
the foo party to call the fire on that target and the command post to receive those orders. So it's all part of a big machine that comes together to engage the target. So great opportunity for NCO, NCMs, and great opportunity for our officer. And it's the same uh, for the JTAC and FOOs. So there, there is a foo, but inside of his party is 100% NCO and NCM, and there's only one-time officer. And the JTAC could be, I've seen from a bomber to a sergeant and a warrant being JTACs, and they actually have the most firepower that they can bring on the battlefield. So that's pretty impressive that you can achieve this in, in the artillery, whether you're an officer or an NCM. So there's a lot of good opportunities either side of the house. Now, you yourself are an officer and, you know, you're talking about you're the G3, which is more maybe of a staff officer position. What does a career path look like for an officer? For me, I graduated from RMC, completed my, my last uh, step or phase for training, then was posted to uh, 5e RLC, so a unit in uh, Valcartier, to be a troop commander. Very uh, lucky because I deployed as a second lieutenant in Bosnia with the guns, LG1s at that time, to actually uh, do operations uh, out in Bosnia. After that, came back to the unit, did my FU course, and got exposed uh, a little bit after that to uh, brigade level, uh, being the aide de camp of the, of the brigade commander. Moved on to Afghanistan with the brigade commander. Came back, served again a little bit as a FU with 5e RLC, but uh, was quickly uh, transitioned into the training institution where actually I did a year-long course to become an instructor in artillery. So went really deep into my trade, uh, learned, you talk about science uh, at its best uh, when you talk about artillery. I kind, <laughs> of, right. I kind of tend to agree. So did that course and then taught for three years, mainly uh, FOOS at the artillery school in Gagetown, New Brunswick. Came back uh, to the unit, commanded a battery of FOOS and uh, JTACs, and then moved on to do a, a Toronto equivalent course in Australia. Then, of course, need to be exposed to a little bit higher uh, level of uh, planning and operation. So went back to the Canadian Army HQ then redeployed as a J-5 in Kuwait, and then came back for strategic experience as a ADMRS EA, and then was selected to command 5e RLC. After completion of command, I actually came back as the Canadian Army G-3. Definitely a lot of moving around there. This comes up in conversation all the time, but, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't want to be cold and wet, and, you know, office work is nice. But I think a lot of people, once you're out there and you're doing the business, as we call it, you want to stay out there and you want to keep commanding that stuff at the tactical level. What's the importance of moving around and doing all these different things? Why does that matter? I think it takes us a long time to actually acknowledge that we need to move and, and let it go of the, the tactical piece, because I think this is why we join and we all absolutely love it. But it is important. I kind of compare what we do to at one point, you need to have a conductor and an orchestra. And in order to do so, you need to be exposed to a little bit of each instrument to acknowledge that something is wrong with regards to your orchestra. So I do think if we want to take the best decision for the Canadian Army, for our organization, 
whoever is going to be uh, ahead of that organization needs to have been exposed to all of the assets or the facets of that organization, whether it's training, ops, purse, and I think it is how the organization will grow. So we need to be exposed to all of these. So then we've kind of covered a lot of what it's all about. What kind of person are we looking for in the artillery? We talk about a lot of physics and science and math. Is that the kind of background you're looking for? What what soft skills do you want an individual to have for them to be a good artillery person? I'll start by saying that I have a degree in French literature. <laughs> so um, I think we need to have an interest for science. We don't need to have a deep background in education in science or in maths. Clearly, When we go on face training, we will do survey, uh, you know, there's a portion of ballistics in there. And I was extremely interested in that, even though I, I've got a, a degree in French literature. But I've seen various types of, uh, and that's what we need, you know. We want different type of leaders with different type of interests. But clearly, if you can join that interest for science with that interest to serve in the combat arms, I think this is the perfect trade for you. So we talk about the past of the artillery, you know, the old school trench warfare bit and kind of the present. You're high enough that you're in charge of army operations and stuff like that without giving away too much maybe. Where do you see the trade heading these days? I do think uh, it's clear that we're working on even longer range uh, type of weapon system. And this is quite important in the modern battlefield. I also think that uh, surveillance and target acquisition is something that we will see that will develop even further with uh, better technology. And, and that will be a great asset on the battlefield. And uh, this is uh, where I think the two main focus area where I think the artillery is leaning towards. You've obviously done a lot of things. You're a colonel now. You've, you've told us a little bit about your life story. Does anything particularly stand out in your experience, uh, maybe a, a memorable moment or a story you'd like to tell us? I don't think it's a, a story, but I can tell you the most uh, memorable uh, moment. And I would have to go with the passion, the dedication when I was a, a CEO of everybody that served at that unit. I do want to say that whether it's in training, in operation, in real time, the sense of urgency that we call the sergeant on her, her guns a number one and all of its crew as when they hear the word fire mission to actually go help the infantry, the armored, the artillery that is up front and deliver that effect is absolutely fascinating And uh, I'm hoping that uh, one day I will have the opportunity to serve with these people again and see once again their level of dedication and passion for their trade. You know, I normally wouldn't do this, but within the past couple of years, there have been some really good videos on either Canadian Army, Facebook, or on YouTube. Take a look at it because there's some really good videos of gun crews operating and You're right. They move really fast, and uh, it's pretty impressive to watch them work as a team. That's a pretty good image of teamwork right there. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's a pretty good note to end it on. Thanks again, ma'am, for coming out. Thank you, Ubik. Ubik. <laughs> that's right. So that's Colonel Marie-Christine Harvey. She's the G3 and has background in artillery. 
for those of you just joining us. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Check out our back catalog of episodes. There's some good material in there and stay frosty.